Welcome to Solana Cove. This is your host, Louis. Today, I'm chatting with Max, who is the co-founder and CEO of Unstoppable Finance. Unstoppable Finance is building out the ultimate DeFi wallet, a veritable one-stop shop. We chat about what the team is building, the challenges of onboarding new users, low-hanging fruit improvements for wallets, and much more. Let's get stuck into it. So I'm here today with Max from Unstoppable Finance. Max, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Thanks. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Let's get started first. Uh, I'd love if you could just describe a bit like how you came into the crypto rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, so I'm in crypto now, what's it, like four or five years. Um, really came into the into the crypto rabbit hole when I uh, you know founded my my previous company, which was called Uptick, which was a, a neo brokerage actually. Um, so it was uh, mobile trading, um, you know, pre trade republic. Um, really focused around um, you know making CFD trading simple and easy for retail users. CFD is like a you know a big thing in Europe. Um, so started that 2014 15 and. Uh, Kind of trading volumes just exploded in uh, 17 around crypto, right? So, and uh, you know, I had had touch points with um, the asset class before, of course, but like that's really when I saw, um, you know, how crazy how crazy people went uh, for that asset, and just kind of spent a lot of time, um, you know, looking into into the technology, into the asset classes uh, in general, and um, yeah, never really left. Uh, you know, I sold uh, sold the company and. Um, then just you know fully focused on crypto. Um, then went to uh, Börse Stuttgart, which is, which is a um, German stock exchange, which really uh, you know identified crypto as one of their core focus areas. Um, I joined them as a CEO of their um, centralized exchange, the Börse Stuttgart Digital Exchange, and um, yeah, uh, really uh, all in uh, on crypto. And um, but quickly realized that kind of um, crypto and corporate. Uh, is not like the um, you know the the, the best combination, um, especially if you look into the DeFi world. Um, there is like you know a fantastic set of uh, things that you can do um, that I really feel um, you know can only be done in a you know independent startup setting, and that's why uh, I left um, the exchange and started Unstoppable Finance. Okay, uh, interesting. So that begs the question: What is Unstoppable Finance? Um, so in uh, in essence, uh, our mission is to bring DeFi, DeFi to retail customers, um, and uh, we looked at uh, you know a lot of things in DeFi um, as as users, um, you know from from the inside, from the outside, and really um, feel at the wallet level um, that's where it breaks for most people. So um, wallets are the first touch point um, into DeFi for most people, um, and wallets are just too complex to use. So you know from a core concept we're building a multi-chain uh, DeFi wallet um, we're going to be Solana first um, because we have a focus on retail customers and we really want um, you know the the experience to be as frictionless as fast and as close to an experience that people have in the traditional world which is basically now uh, you know free trading instant trading and um, you know in, in DeFi that's currently only possible um, on Solana, you know, we, we will go um, with other chains uh, going forward. Uh, however, for us, uh, it's always the most important thing is that we provide an experience for for users that's, um, you know, not not really tied to extreme high gas fees. And you don't, you know, you shouldn't actually have to uh, be a, a crypto whale in order to make make it work for you. And um, yeah, so 
um, multi-chain wallet, uh, as I mentioned. And our kind of core thesis is that um, then, like the wallet needs to be much more a co-pilot um, and not just sort of a you know here's here's the wallet and now you know do what you want to do. But people need um, you know much more curation. They need a a explanatory layer on top of DeFi. You know, DeFi already is like a super complex space for most people. Like it's it's very overcrowded. You know, obviously it's it's very easy to launch DeFi um, companies now. Um, most companies you see are, uh, you know, across a couple of people, and um, you know, composability is being used to just create uh, and churn out startups. Um, so that means you know people just are overwhelmed, don't know what to do. So um, for for me, like the wallet premise is that people are really onboarded into the space um you know by people who know uh, how to navigate it which is which is our team because when i think about the the entry point that most people get to crypto i suppose it's you know, like your binance your coinbase mm-hmm. um, and then when we talk about DeFi, probably they're entering via metamask or um, an existing wallet um, so the thesis is kind of that those existing solutions are just like a step too far compared to the like existing exchange that people are probably used to mm-hmm. um, and so unstoppable finance will be providing like a, a gentler um, path into DeFi. is that about yes, right that's correct i mean you can you can think about it like when you when you launch the wallet like the entire protocol experience i call it is taking into the wallet right so trading um you know we'll do with orca um so yield uh, we're looking at a couple of players um uh, friction finance is one of them um but also looking at uh, other protocols um but we feel that these interfaces of these protocols are just you know not uh, easy enough for like a new user to navigate and um the you know the wallets needs to be a much better job in terms of really like you know plugging a native ui on top of it so people shouldn't actually have to do you know a lot of research in terms of brand in terms of what their protocol is like who who's behind it that's really our job um and like once people actually trust our brand um our wallet that's really kind of the only thing they should need to trust right like you know feeling you know if i use if i use unstoppable um you know that's my entry point to DeFi. if these guys you know say these are protocols that are um kind of safe to use that are you know fit for my risk profile that's all I should need to know, right? Because like right mm-hmm. now, you know, if you look at, you know, MetaMask, Phantom, and, you know, a couple of other good wallets out there, it's still, they still all have this like empty wallets problem, meaning once people are onboarded, they really don't know where to start. And I think it's an equal sized problem um, than the UX layer in general is actually this navigational curation layer. Um, and it will get even much more problematic going forward because now you see you know, much more complex um, products being launched, you know, financial NFTs, we, we can talk about that a bit later, which I feel could be a really good retail product, but not in the way that they're explained right now. Um, too much lingo, uh, you know, and t- just too much prerequisite, uh, prerequisite knowledge uh, that uh, that you know, the current DeFi landscape requires. Mm-hmm. Right. And also in terms of like the mobile experience, from what I've seen so far with um, existing wallet mobile uh, experiences, also with Phantom recently going live on iOS, um, they have like a, an app browser, but this is seems like it's not really kind of a mobile first experience. It's very much bringing that browser experience onto the mobile. Is this also something that you guys would be looking to kind of um, support new users with? Uh, yeah, so I mean, the, the DAP browsers is a concept that for me, it's an interim solution only. 
Um, mm -hmm. You know, we, us, we, we as a wallet really want to uh, plug like native UI on top of these protocols. Um, so, you know, it feels to the user as if they're interacting directly, or actually they are interacting directly with our wallet, with the protocol. Um, but to them, it all feels, uh, you know, out of, out of just one, uh, one flow, right? Um, and kind of if I, I, you know, use the Phantom a mobile product, and I think it's a good product, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of things that can be improved. Um, one thing, for example, is speed. Um, you know, most of these wallets don't have a backend. Uh, we actually will have one, meaning it's like a lot faster, right? Like, you know, most of these wallets like MetaMask, et cetera, go directly to the chain. Um, and it just takes a long time for, for, for stuff to load because um, it's not optimized for that, right? And quite frankly, you know, most people don't need it right now, but like new users that come into the space just expect like, you know, like portfolio charts. They want to use the, the wallet for tracking. They want to see historic performance. They want to see, um, you know, like basically everything they're used to with traditional neo brokerages. And if you just compare like a Robinhood experience with um, currently a phantom wallet experience, like there's a huge difference, right? Um, and that's, that's certainly something where we want to address. I was reading, I was doing a bit of research and I saw you referring to the financialization of the internet mm -hmm. um, and this being kind of like a, a way to like another angle of Web3 web perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to hear, hear you unpack that, that concept a little bit. Yeah. So for like when I look at uh, the, the, the token layer right now, I really think we're, we're entering a phase of the tokenization of everything. Um, and this is being a, a kind of a term that's been floating around for a while, but really now um, it happens, right? Like you see, you know, GameFi, uh, you know, the whole gaming ecosystem now, um, you know, being built uh, with a token component. And I think it's a fantastic use case for that, but there's way more, right? Like there's, um, uh, you know, royalties, uh, you know, music being tokenized, creator coins, like attention, data, social graphs, um, you know, data silos are being broken up and um, there's being put a token slash financial layer on top of it, right? So you're able to trade um, and, and kind of add a financial transaction on top of all these things. And, um, you know, that just drives a lot of innovation because people like that's naturally the reason why DeFi exploded so much, right? Because DeFi, um, you know, is a hugely speculation driven uh, industry right now um, and uh, you know obviously that's where you know VC money will flow where um, investor money will flow um, where you know there's a return to be made right and currently that's uh, that's DeFi but it will happen a lot on other areas as well and um, that's what we meant with financialization um, probably you can also call it, call it tokenization which for me is um, you know not exactly the same thing but like it plays to a very similar um, vision there. And with Unstoppable Finance, um, the the area that you're aiming for is that DeFi part of this wider financialization. That's correct. Yes. So um, I mean, like we're 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 not really a kind of a, a gaming wallet, right? Like we're really looking at the financial component. Um, you know, trading, yield. Um, you know, financial NFTs. Um, uh, kind of also NFTs as a um, you know as an art piece that you buy, but if, kind of that's also financial motive there. Um, and, um, but I, I think like looking at players like rainbow, for example, they're doing a fantastic job to kind of own the social graph and becoming this inspiration layer, um, where like you follow other wallets, you, you know, have your, your NFT gallery, 
Um, but for me, like if you look at where, where we want to put our focus on, where also I see the main value being generated is this execution layer where you trade, where you interact, uh, where you actually put uh, a substantial part of your net worth uh, at some point um, into, into DeFi and blockchain-based assets. And um, you need a trusted partner for that. Mm -hmm. Speaking of, of trusted, I think a question that will come to many people who have been in crypto for a while um, when it comes to a wallet is like, do you have custody of the keys? Do you not have custody of the keys? Can you share a bit about like your approach towards that topic? Yeah. So it's uh, non-custodial. Um, so we really, you know, we want to um, be a global product and that's only possible um, at this stage right now with uh, being non-custodial. So we do not take any ownership of, of keys. Um, we are looking into providing a better experience than what's, what's happening right now because, you know, we, we ran a survey um, on like, you know, 300 plus uh, wallet users and the overarching, the biggest thing was, you know, people feel a bit uneasy with, uh, you know, key management. So certainly there's there's stuff happening. I mean, looking at Web3 Auth, previously Taurus, um, there's a couple of companies that are building a better layer, you know, a keyless layer. Um, and we're looking at uh, at solutions in this space because um, for now it'll work. I think uh, like our target user base will be people who, you know, are okay um, with self-custody, but over time, like the more retail it gets, um, this problem needs to be solved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, Argent as well have like a nice um, solution with Guardians. I haven't tested it myself, but it seemed quite nice when I was reading about it. Nice. It is, although I have a you know viewpoint with regards to social recovery. Like I yeah, think sure. it's, I think it's an interesting concept. Um, I don't think though it scales so well to the masses, right? Like I mean, pe like money and finances is a very personal thing for a lot of people that they don't really want to share. Um, also, um, privacy is is a topic, right? So you know, people don't want to give out their wallet address. Um, I even seen you tweet the other day that like if anyone's building privacy on Solana, uh, hit me up. Yes, that goes for us as well. So we are. Looking into the space, you know, there's there's Railgun on Ethereum uh, and other players that that do uh, that. But like, I think kind of compliant privacy layers will be will be huge. Um, and with with social recovery, you know, like I think it's an interim solution um, that that kind of works for for certain people. Although crypto at the moment is very anonymous, so you know, it that kind of uh, is at uh, at odds of um, you know be, having a social recovery solution. The, the keys is one element that is making wallets a bit more difficult for users to use. Um, another one is having like an open playground, which is almost too open because you have to actually go out and find um, the, the sources. Are there any other pieces of the puzzle that you feel are currently not being addressed by wallets that you're looking to sort of iterate upon? Mm -hmm. um, I think fiat on ramp is still a problem. So if you look at there's players like MoonPay um, and Ramp, which are doing a really good job with regards to like plugin solutions. Um, but I think like the, the fiat on Ramp part needs to be much more native to the wallet. So people want savings plans. Um, they want to have you know instant deposits. Uh, it is to a certain degree possible with with MoonPay to do that. Um, I still think you know it adds like another brand and another complexity layer for people. Um, they're kind of used to, you know, getting an IBAN or, you know, just a bank account they can transfer money to, uh, which was also a thing that, that came, came about in that survey. People want like a much, you know, more frictionless um, on-ramp uh, experience. So I think that's, that's one thing. And the privacy layer, which we just touched about, uh, touched upon was, is a problem as well. So if, you know, you want to use 
uh, crypto as kind of as a bank account um, or as a payment layer or as a money transfer layer. Um, you kind of don't want to give out your entire portfolio history to someone you just transferred two bucks for a coffee for, right? Or probably it's five bucks now with inflation. <laughs> yeah, true. You can imagine like maybe doing a test, um, like a test run with, an, uh, with a DAO, like that maybe they're going to hire you and then you would give them your address and then they can check, you know, your, your, your whole history of transactions, potentially, if you're not spreading your transactions around. It's interesting, this, this concept of bundling, because... I think to some degree, when you're used to DeFi, you kind of take it as it is and you assume that this is how it should be or this is how this is normal. But when you're mentioning like bundling everything together, it does make sense to me. Like if I put myself in the mind of a new user who's used to N26, Revolut, trading, they can do the crypto stocks inside the Neo Bank, they have a card. It, it, it does seem very intuitive that DeFi at some point needs to you know match this and then it can probably go much further because you can bundle all these other um protocol options in you know you can ha you can add your like call options you can add like um you know futures whatever like you can kind of get it all inside there mm -hmm. um like how far do you think we are away from having that kind of DeFi super app that will really be like comparable or even better than the neobanks existing right now um so i wouldn't compare it as much to a new bank but more to a new brokerage um, you know like a Robinhood and Trade Republic um, I guess Revolut sits at the middle uh, between being a new bank and an investment um, slash trading uh, company um, so I think like in a year from now if I would have to put a time on you can build uh, everything but the kind of the spending layer right like you know I think the spending layer will still take some time although you can just add cards um, you know and I know there's like you know, Visa, MasterCard, they're all working on things like that, right? So this is something that, of course, we're looking at. Um, I think like, you know, from a from a, from a technological perspective, it's, it's doable today. Um, one problem, though, is that like, there's still a lot of, like DeFi doesn't have enough diversity of assets for people to invest into. Because DeFi right now is a very, it's basically financial infrastructure you know, to people, it's like financial infrastructure stocks, right? Like, because if you look at the entire DeFi ecosystem, that's what it is, right? Like it provides infrastructure for finance. Um, that's what most protocols are today. And then, you know, we're going towards the uh, entire creator, a creative economy, like NFTs, etc. But at the end of the day, um, you know, th there needs to be tokenized um, brands, tokenized things people know and want to invest in. Um, to just command a higher share of the investment wallet because people still want to invest in things they know, right? Like Apple, Google, etc. And that sort of is what, you know, they they are comfortable to put money into. And I think we'll get there in terms of the breadth um, of asset classes uh, you can invest into. Um, but a DeFi super app is not too far away um, in terms of kind of just integrating everything that's out there into a much more native experience. I mean, that's what we're building towards and I'm pretty sure other teams are also doing so. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to like preclude people from using stuff. Right? I mean, Web3 ethos is like, you should be able to choose, right? You should be able to use whatever you want. Uh, so we're not going to like build a walled garden so you cannot use certain things, but like you need to make the things that um, are recommended by us uh, extremely easy and simple to use. And that's that's where we're headed. What I'm kind of imagining is 
when someone says like, oh, I want to try like crypto, or I want to try DeFi, um, like there, there should be a really easy option to shoot them towards that is not like a custodied um, exchange. And, and right now it's like a long list or like a tweet thread of different protocols that you can use. And, and um, so it does make sense to have that sort of uh, easy onboarding. Just and one, one other thing that I just thought about um, what I what I always say is like DeFi for me really is CeFi at super like hyperspeed almost right. So I think if you look at the the you know speed of innovation that happens like a Coinbase or centralized exchanges won't be able to just like move fast enough right. So because like there's so many new protocols that that come and like I noticed like I ran a centralized exchange like adding yield can take 12 months plus right because you have to like look at protocols like talk to teams you know compliance layers like you have to row, go you know to like um, through many hoops to do that and um, you know with with companies that are centralized they often run into the thousands of employees so for us to add a new protocol is probably a matter of months right where like we're going deep on research, doing audits, uh, talking to teams. Um, but the integration part is actually fairly straightforward, right? Because we built on top of uh, a fully compatible DeFi ecosystem. So um, for us, that's that's actually what, where we feel we will win versus uh, kind of classic new brokerages that will add on DeFi um, or centralized exchanges that will add DeFi stuff. It just won't be um, what people want and if you if you see where like how fast the space is iterating uh, also in kind of as i mentioned gaming nfts um and also the the derivatives space um that will just be too difficult to keep up with for centralized players so as someone who's worked in both sides um like how much or what percentage of that longer lead time to to integrate for example how much of that is technical and how much of that is like regular regulatory um or compliance uh, compliance side i'm just curious yeah how, how much um we've unlocked in terms of integration speed by just maybe like not having as many regulations versus really just having that like single layer that everyone can kind of tap into composably i would say two-thirds is regulatory um just not not just regulatory but like the entire project of adding something right it's stakeholder management um it's it's kind of just getting you know getting it prioritized on a roadmap um then it's the regulatory part um and then it's just figuring out how you know reporting also works uh towards customers to you know comply with standards um all that takes incredible amounts of time it also feeds into the technical part because you have to um enable it from a technical perspective and um with with DeFi, like all that just is built in code right so you just mm -hmm. that that's just the most efficient form of finance there can be and um, i mean yeah, yeah. You, you hear of teams like not even being aware of other teams building on top of them you know it just like suddenly they've just gone live and <laughs> yeah uh, which is unthinkable in in traditional uh, systems okay so we've spoken a lot about what unstoppable finance is and like where we can see this um this path heading towards in the future could you tell us a bit like concretely where the team is at and like what mm -hmm. kind of plans you have going forward yeah so um so we launched a company like mid last year um went into um, a financing round um q3 last year started building 
and we're going to launch the product uh, in Q2 this year. So that will be first like a closed launch um, and then, you know, we're going to open it up um, towards the end of Q2. That's, you know, the, the timeline so far. Um, obviously, depends how deep we will go with integrations, um, but we do want to launch with, you know, a, a, a strong value proposition for retail customers. So it just it requires quite going quite deep in terms of integrations here. Um, and yeah, we're based in Berlin. Um, we're a team of 16 people and uh, yeah, building product all day. Uh, it's uh, That's the fun part. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, for sure. Awesome. So Q2, that's exciting. Um, will it, like, is the plan to come out also on mobile or is it firstly going to be a more of a, like a web web product? Uh, it's going to be both. It's going to be mobile, so iOS first um, and a browser extension. So we're going to launch both and um, Android will come later this year. Yeah. And Awesome. And we, we, we also plan to add a second chain this year. So um, Solana is definitely our focus uh, for now. Uh, you know, we really feel we can build what we want to build um, on that ecosystem. But like, there's just a lot of uh, a lot of other things like, you know, on Ethereum that we want to integrate, um, but also looking at other chains. So, but this is, I don't know if you're already willing to share these kind of details, but would you, would you be facilitating like cross chain, like bridging? inside the wallet when you're on multiple chains? Is that kind of the idea? We, w- we won't do it, uh, you know, in the foreseeable future. Um, like it's something that I want to include, but um, it's it's one's hard to do that uh, in a very intuitive format um, for, for customers. Cause like bridging can take like 15, 20 minutes. And um, you know, like there's still like a lot of uncertainty, like what what protocols we want to use. Um, I'm a fan of Swim, um, which they're not out yet. They're going to launch, I think in Q2 this year. Um, so you actually won't have uh, wrapped assets anymore. So it goes native to native, which is for me something that's an intuitive concept for retail. You don't just receive some form of wrapped uh, token. Um, so that's... But I, I think we're still quite early in terms of the bridging space. So I don't see it as like an imminent focus area for us. But over time, um, when I feel that this hampers user experience and people really have problems to navigate between wallets, we will add it. Yeah, I would say as a user, bridging is still something that causes, even if you've done it many times, you still have like a little feeling of nervousness as yes. you as you bridge. And it doesn't matter which bridge it is, to be honest. And this was before and after the, the wormhole hack. Um, it's, yeah, you're just in a moment of vulnerability, it seems like, uh, as yeah. you bridge. And there's this 20 minute time period where, where your funds are in, in the uh, ether, right? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then usually I'm trying to as quickly as possible get out of the, the wrapped like asset on either side. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. So, I mean, as the team, like as the team who is looking to bundle the best products into kind of a single, a single area for the for the user, which protocols, which teams, which products is exciting you in the Solana space right now? Uh, friction finance. I'm a big fan. Um, so you had Udav on the other day. Um, so I, I really think what they're doing um, is. For me, like the next phase where DeFi will go, it's made for Solana, right? Uh, just in terms of the way um, it's it's designed, and I really think that the uh, if you look at the TradFi space, and I come from from TradFi originally. I used to be a trader at Lehman Brothers, so very back in the days, uh, been on what I probably call, now call the dark side. <laughs> 
Um, and uh, just kind of seeing how much fuel derivatives um, add to, to, to the markets, just in terms of uh, how much more efficient markets get when you add this uh, as, a, as a layer. Um, I'm super excited for this to come on chain, um, both as a yield uh, form, um, but also as a portfolio hedging mechanism. Um, and if you look at Robinhood, for example, I think last quarter they was 60% of their revenue was option trading, right? So, and I think Trade Republic is also heading towards that. Um, so it's not something they advertise massively, but it's, you know, a clear uh, retail product. And um, we're very excited about that as well. So that and yeah. and and like the the way that it's delivered in this very user friendly vault mm -hmm. um, system is also I think great great for new users exactly and like at some point like ideally I would want an experience where you don't have to wait for seven days to withdraw like an instant period I mean that'll that'll come eventually um, so to to a user I think you can package it in a form that's that's a it's a great yield concept um you know you can do payoff diagrams and explain exactly how it works and it, it does still require a bit of um you know ui massaging to make it very friendly um but once it's there i think it's probably one of the best yield products out there um it also like the yield is very attractive to DeFi users right i think a lot of DeFi protocols right now they're in like the three, four percent yield um, on stables, and that's just not very attractive to to DeFi users, right? They're they, they're yield hungry, they're return hungry, and um, I think that's a massive problem. That like these low yields are very attractive for retail customers that are not in DeFi at all, but then they're not able to use the the protocol interfaces, and the super high yields they're you know not accessible accessible at all, right? Like they're just you know very very complex, they're not explained. And just building a translation layer here. Um, obviously, we need to be careful what products to recommend to people. Well, basically, we as an app can only tell you um, kind of where, where we feel the risk level is. Like people have to make their own uh, own own decisions, right? Like, uh, but at, at at the same time, you can explain, um, you know, with very easy in a very easy format, like what happens when you when you do certain things. Yeah, I also had uh, Ratio Finance on recently, and I think they're looking to bring a product um, that will make the, the risk in DeFi a bit more um, easy to gauge for users as well, which mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to. So the second thing I'm excited about is Bridge Split. Um, so that's uh, kind of fractionalized NFTs um, or NFTs as a financial instrument, um, which I already spoke about a bit before. But um, kind of if you look at the NFT space, I think... Uh, I think it's up for a bit of a reckoning. Um, you know, I think there's like a lot of junk products out there, which we all know, right? And I think like a very sensible strategy from an investment point of view for retail customers is to is to buy blue chips, right? But then who has, what was the last uh, punk? 27 million, right? Like the, 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 the last one that was sold. So, you know, to buy blue chips, people are just priced out of that market. But if you fractionalize them um, and turn them into an index, I think that's a fantastic product, right? Where I can say, hey, I'm gonna, you know, put a couple of thousand dollars towards um, NFT index, and that will actually happen fairly soon with products like Bridge Split, and there's others as well. Um, and they also turn NFTs into a productive asset with lending, and um, uh, that could be something that actually can be pitched uh, and presented in a format that's much more accessible than like you know here here's a search box and find find an nft that you like and then figure out whether it's a good purchase 
Yeah, NFTs are a really good example of that dual concept or that financialization of the internet as you were referring to earlier because you have people who are in it for the art, you have people who are like flipping and they see them purely as financial objects or items. Um, and it feels to me like where it's 2017 um, in, with NFTs and we're still like figuring out how to actually apply them and how to like, it's, it's, it's I mean, it, yet it's like a, it's repeated ad nauseum, but we are really early with NFTs. Um, <laughs> it, it feels like the, the use cases are like, not even really understood yet. I mean, we're still experimenting with basics here. Um, I think the factualization is pretty interesting. I'm keen to see like an, an index and really see how it performs. And, and this would be this would be convincing. Um, but it's at least it's exciting to see people experimenting with this concept. Yeah, I agree. And I think like to people will buy NFTs for for kind of collectible uh, purposes um, because they like the art. Um, I think, and if you know, GameFi, same thing, right? People just uh, buy things um, to interact with games. Um, although I'm not sure, like you know, whether blue chip games will go for their own wallets, like Axie, right? Like this could be something and a trend that we might see. Um, although if I were a game, I'll probably not go towards the length of um, creating like a full fledged user experience in terms of the wallet. But it might be the case. So this is still very much uh, un unknown territory. I think there's hundreds of teams now at least that's what i heard from vcs like literally hundreds of uh, teams working on kind of axi copycats um or you know derivative forms of it and um, this will be a very very busy space towards the end of this year yeah i'm excited to see like the unstoppable finance of the the gaming area mm. like i guess it would be a bit comparable to something like steam where you have like a launcher with many games and sort of an economy and um, this will be really interesting to see as well but it, it strikes me to some degree that like GameFi or NFTs or um, like DeFi, it's kind of all crypto at the end. And like it's all it's all financial. It can all be traded and swapped. And and like DeFi is also kind of a game in itself. So it's like the lines are very blurred between those those categories. Yeah, very much so. And I think like people, you know, still say like they invest in, in NFTs, right? So they don't just buy an NFT, they invest, right? And I think that's... That will be something why I also call it financialization and not just tokenization, um, because like people are in it to make a return, right? And you know, obviously you have like the whole like you know libertarian ethos behind it that you know you know data silos are broken up, and I think that's a very good thing. Um, but mainly from a point of view, because I think it drives a lot more innovation. Um, it drives innovation towards. Um, you know, corners of the internet that otherwise wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't be able to create products like that. Um, so I'm super excited for that to happen. And um, I will do obviously the utmost to support that as, as on the wallet layer, um, because really this, what the space needs is users, because um, otherwise it's not going to go anywhere, right? Like it's going to become a B2B product um, and it just will become a financial backend um for for TradFi, right like and we see that with kind of conduit um you know uh, kind of going towards a a combination bringing DeFi to TradFi services but what i really want or what we want as a company is like to you know make DeFi um kind of the best form of finance and like the the, the direct access layer instead of just being the execution layer for for centralized platforms Awesome. Yeah, that, that, I'm really excited to hear that. And uh, I'm very keen to 
take Unstoppable Finance for a spin when it when it's going live. Um, for someone who's been listening and they're keen to learn more, where, where, where can they find more details about Unstoppable Finance? Yeah, so we're on Twitter, of course. So um, the if you just search for Unstoppable Finance, uh, the uh, the handle is Unstoppable DeFi. Uh, and uh, LinkedIn as well. So uh, that we're very active on both channels. So follow us and uh, we're, and obviously go to our website, uh, unstoppable.fi, um, sign up for our waitlist, and um, then you'll be the first to know about our launch. Awesome. Then thanks a lot, Max, for joining. Very uh, pumped on what the team's building and looking forward to learning more as, as it's being unveiled. Thank you very much for having us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app right now. For extra points, follow us on Twitter at Solana Cove. A reminder, anything said on Solana Cove is not financial or tax advice. Solana Cove is strictly educational and is not investment advice. Keep in mind, you and you alone are responsible for your assets and always do your own research.